is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double, the dishonor was proclaimed as their lot. Therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with the garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God righteousness to spring up before all the nations. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The psalm is Psalm 84, verses 1 through 7, and the congregation will read the bold print. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the Balsam Valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height and the God of gods will be seen in Zion. Stand for the acclamation.
Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is Reformation Sunday, and the texts that we are reading are not necessarily texts that you would typically read on Reformation Sunday. And part of that is I'm continuing our series on 180 days of reading through the Bible, and today I'm talking about prophets. And interesting fact, just how everything kind of lined up. So I was not necessarily planning to talk about prophets on Reformation Sunday. Um, But also yesterday we had confirmation class. And when I was planning that earlier this year, um, yesterday we talked about prophets in the Old Testament. So all kind of lined up pretty well. But Reformation Sunday uh, is a time in our church where we think about and uh, remember the drastic turn that our church took in the early 1500s. You see, the church in the early 1500s, before it became the Lutheran church, um, there was just one church universal, and they would sell indulgences that promised that if you had a loved one who died... And they were in a place called purgatory, a holding place between heaven and hell. The only way that they would be able to leave that place and go to heaven is if you would pay the church and buy an indulgence and pray on the behalf of your loved one. And Martin Luther looked at that practice and said, this doesn't really feel right. Even though he was part of the establishment, he was, he was a priest and a, and a reg- highly regarded one. And there were a number of other things that he did not like about the church when he was reading through Scripture. So he posted the 95 Thesis, 95 things that he thought that needed to be reformed in the church to make it more accessible to people, to make people really feel and connect with their faith. And he posted that to a prominent church door just before All Saints Sunday, on, which happens to be November 1st. So on October 31st. And between this document that he posted and other writings and, and the um, saying that indulgences were bad, this thing went viral as it could in the 1500s. And part of that was the invention of the Gutenberg Press and, and how this suddenly became accessible to people. 
And everybody started to read it and to talk about this thing that Martin Luther was, was saying, the changes that he wanted to make in the church. Luther insisted that we are not forgiven because of anything that we do, including the buying of indulgences. We, we, there's no way that we can do enough work to earn our love and forgiveness and grace by God. Instead, we are forgiven by God because of who God is, not because of who we are. We are loved and forgiven by God because of the mercy and grace of God. Well, this teaching that Martin Luther was given started to spread, and this eventually led him to be kicked out of the church. He started to run for his life because the powers that be wanted to stop this message that he was proclaiming. But there were others who supported him, who listened to him, who wanted to continue to give the message, and they protected him. So his message continued to spread. People came together, and after his eventual death was when the Lutheran church was born, when the Protestant church was born. So we have, as a church, this special day that that commemorates this event because it's part of our history, part of our story. It's the day when we get together and we retell the story. We remember like a story of our own faith. Stories about women and men who came before us, who taught us about the faith. Stories of people who risked everything so we can come together as a community of faith, so we can gather together and worship the God we love so much. Today on Reformation Sunday, we come back to the core of our faith, the core of who we are. We remember together that God loves us first and foremost, and that God bestows upon us, showers upon us, grace and mercy. Today we remind each other that we are called to be the more loving and grace-filled people because God has first given that to us. We are called to repent all of those times that we place barriers between us and other people who want, who need to experience this same thing that we experience. People who need to hear the message of God's love. Today we remember all the gifts that God has given us. So for me, it's only fitting that things have come together where I also have been thinking about praying about studying the prophets because Martin Luther was a prophet. People like Luther have stood for their faith, who have stood up and have spoken words of power against those who have tried to Bring people down who have tried to separate us because of who we are, what we look like, who we love, where we come from. A prophet is someone who connects people with because of their passion, 
Someone who takes their calling from God, the messages that they receive from God seriously, and they want to do everything it takes to give that message to the world. They're willing to risk everything in order for people to hear what God has to say. And there are many prophets throughout Scripture, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jonah, Daniel, John the Baptist, and of course, the one in the New Testament that's always the right answer, Addie, who is that? The one in the the New Testament's always the right answer when I speak of the New Testament? Jesus, very good. You see, the most notable thing about the prophets is the message that they bring, the the message that is proclaimed, that is centered on on salvation, because we are the people of God. And we are the people of God, and our salvation is given to us because of Jesus the Messiah. The prophet's message is calling people to turn from their sinful ways and to trust in the promises of God. The message that we read about in the, in the first lesson today from Isaiah was to the people of God so that they know that all the suffering that they have received has been reversed, that the brokenhearted are bound up, the captives are liberated, and the year of joy has been proclaimed. Luther's message is just as wonderful. He set us free from all the things that harm us, the things that keep us from being in relationship from God. He told us that we could directly interact with God, that we can directly interact with the Word of God, that there isn't anything that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. The question is, what are we going to do with all of this? This wonderful, exciting, joyful news. You see, it's not that we are celebrating The Reformation. This is not just a rah-rah, yes, we are Lutherans and we are awesome day, which is true, but it's the message behind the Reformation. It's the message that is given to us about how we can connect with God, connect with one another, and grow in our relationship with God. And this goes directly into the the gospel lesson today. This this parable that Jesus talks about where these two men are going to pray. And one of them is confident in himself. He is a Pharisee. He has devoted his entire life to the laws of the church to be faithful. But his prayer, did you hear his prayer? God, I am so wonderful. I'm better than everybody else here because I follow all of the commandments. I don't sin. I pray. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income to the temple, to the church. Look at all these lowly people. I'm better than all of them. But then there's this tax collector who has just been put down by the Pharisee. And if we're honest, tax collectors, especially in biblical times, weren't necessarily thought of as great people. When you, when you want to talk about someone who's really kind of a scummy person, you talk about a tax collector. They cheat people out of their money. 
They work for despicable organizations. And here's this tax collector who's in the temple, who goes off by himself so nobody else is around him. He doesn't look up to God to pray. He puts his head down and he says, be merciful to me, God. I am a sinner. I'm a terrible person. I hate the things that I do. But maybe he's doing it because he needs a job. He needs to feed his family. He needs to find a way to support himself. And the thing is that Jesus says, this tax collector is the one who is justified. You see, the Pharisee was doing all the right things. He was doing what he needed to do to be successful in his faith according to the law of the church. The tax collector wasn't necessarily doing the right things the way that he was living his life. But the Pharisee was not necessarily justified. The tax collector was not good at keeping the law. He has pretty much nothing that he could boast about. Nothing looks at him and sees a successful person. No one would call him righteous. They would call the Pharisee righteous. Most people probably despise the tax collector. And the tax collector knew this. You know, if he was here today in the church, maybe he wouldn't even come into the sanctuary. Maybe he would not even put a foot in here. Maybe he'd want to come into the church. Maybe he'd want to participate in the life of the church. But maybe he'd sit out in the narthex just so he could hear what's going on, but not necessarily be a part of it. Maybe he would, maybe he would sit in the balcony off to the side by himself so he could see what's going on, but not necessarily need to interact with people. Because he just doesn't feel good about himself. But that tax collector is the one who is justified. Why? When we think about our faith and we think about our life, we try to live a life of righteousness. We try to do the right thing. We try to say the right thing, act in a certain way. We come to church, we we read the Bible when we can, we pray when we can, we try to be good to our friends and family, maybe we look out for our neighbors who are in need, we give money to the church and to other organizations that do good work for other people. We have our good days and we have our bad days, we know we're not perfect, but our success, our success especially when it comes to our faith, When we are justified, when we are right with God, comes with not necessarily in what we do, but it comes within our heart. You know, the Pharisee seems to lead this blameless life. So he appears to be this righteous man. This tax collector knows that he doesn't need a blameless life, and he asks God for mercy. He asks God not to judge him based on what he has done. Instead, he looks to God for compassion, for love, for mercy, 
for forgiveness. Even with that said, he knows that he is not the one to basically represent what Jesus has to say. He, he doesn't come in and say, well, God, I'm going to um, do better next time. Um, please forgive me. He says, I am a sinful person. I am repenting for what I have done. You see, we live our lives open to the ways of God's acceptance and mercy and love and grace. And we can recognize the fact that, yes, we are saints We are loved by God no matter what we do. We are loved by God for who we are. We are loved by God for who God is, not trying to earn God's love. But we are also sinners. We are also imperfect. We are also people who come here each and every week, who at the beginning of our service confess our sins, confess all the things that we have done wrong, all the things that we have failed to do that is right. You know, during that time when, during our confession, when um, I invite everyone to confess, before we have our corporate confession, before the assembly, before everyone confesses together, there's that time of silence. And that time is for us to reflect on our own lives, on, on the things that we have done personally. And, and I had a, a um, church member a number of years ago who came up to me and he said, Pastor, you must have thought that we really were bad this week because that time at the confession went a little longer than it normally does. I said, no, I, I needed that time to think about the things that I have done. Think about all the things that we have failed to do, failed to live up to, to say we are sinful people. And that doesn't make us bad people. It makes us people. But at the end of it, after we have confessed, after we have repented, we hear the words of affirmation and grace and love. That God receives us as a child receives their parent. As a parent receives their child. Because when we do that, we discover that God has already called us righteous. That God has already called us holy. That God has already called us a beloved child. That God has already called us perfect. God has already justified every single one of us and has given us grace that we need to get through another day, another week with the love of God. Amen.